to what it is the entertainment three adults give each other a book report show it's fun and cute and we're here together in quarantine doing our best just doing our little best speak for yourself chelsea what's going on me i don't know uh, i bought a pair of roller skates that's where i'm at <laughs> you bought roller skates I, I did i bought some roller skates online that came in a couple days ago i've been rolling all around the living room i'm <laughs> going outside but that was a lot harder so then i went back inside uh, just figuring it out, you know? I've fallen twice. I'm doing my work. <laughs> yeah. Joining us this week is one of my best friends all the way back in England, in London right now, in a bit of a hot spot of the old Rona. Oh, yeah. My friend Sid. Sid, how you doing? Bam. I'm good. I'm pumped full of disinfectant and ready to tackle this podcast. Hell yeah. Excellent. We were playing TKO on Zoom the other day. Somebody used one of my like phrases for this t-shirt because you, know, you put together one person's artwork and another person's phrase and you make a new t-shirt mm-hmm. i was so proud of it and it was inject yourself with bleach ugly <laughs> like, a picture of, like a person with like sunglasses and finger guns that is amazing <laughs> sid is your topic going to be all about your newfound science of how bleach does work <laughs> yeah. sid, can i tell you that ellie told us this story the other day about you that i've not been able to stop uh-huh. like thinking about and it just makes me laugh uh-huh. every single time which is that when you guys were in college i think that, uh, oh, yeah. you changed ellie's text tone <laughs> to be the sound that the lady in titanic makes when she drops the necklace in the water at the end where she's like oh, oh, oh. <laughs> and it's like oh, my mind. I could neither confirm nor deny. <laughs> We're gonna go to the mini game where we each get to swap the title of our topic and guess what the others may be. And this is where the sting will come in right now. <laughs> There it was. Who would like to kick us off? I'll do it. <gasps> Sid, jumping in. Oh, yeah. Sid. So, my bonus round title has changed, but can I tell you what my original bonus round title is? I suppose you can. Please do. This is a shout out to previous episode of the pod. I can't believe I also have to talk about Elon Musk. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Sid, you're going to get so many points for that later. Actually, do you know what? That's the title. That's, that's sorry, it. I was lying. That's the title, yeah. Th- that's going to be it. He can't believe he also has <laughs> to talk about <laughs> Elon Musk. Good. Is it about... The first thing that came to my mind, is it about SpaceX? SpaceX may be involved. Okay. Tangentially, yeah. perhaps. Is it about Waco, Texas? No. Damn it. Nothing ever should be, to be fair. <laughs> Next time. Is it about that car, that dumb truck? No, I Cyber I truck? wish I could even joke and say it was. There's no chance. Damn. Miles, like, genuinely wants a Cybertruck. No, Ellie, <laughs> say these things. <laughs> Ellie, Ellie, would you smash in a Cybertruck? Yeah, come on. <laughs> I mean, it sounds it does sound pretty Absolutely. sharp. <laughs> I'm worried about it. I feel like there's got to be sharp corners in that thing. What else is Elon Musk attached to, if tangentially? Grimes? Oh, is it about Grimes? It's not about Grimes. Damn it. I'll jump in next. Tell us immediately. Yeah, tell us. I'm so excited for this. I chose this topic with YouTube particularly in mind. It's called Move Over Bezos with Your Bitch Billions. <laughs> 
Um, <laughs> <laughs> do you ever feel like maybe you and Sid are kind of synced up on these topics? <laughs> it's true, yeah. Two billionaires Not already. We were faithless with your bitch billions. Is it about how Bezos could pay all of his employees a hefty raise and also like for all of their like benefits uh, and still be the richest man in the world and he won't? Mm-hmm. It's not about that, no. It's not about that. Yeah. Okay. Is it bitch as in dog? Does he like spending stupid money on dog things? I mean, he probably does, you know. Rich people are weird. Yeah. Oh, he, he does. I wear him. He does. Oh my god. I, I still. Well, someday when I have time, which I guess is now because we're in quarantine, but I want to make a meme that's like a, a bar graph of like amount of money that you make that you have, and then like how horrible you dress. But like, so like all the bars Ooh, yeah. are just like billionaires and like their dumb fucking stupid outfits, the uniforms that they choose. Yeah. <laughs> Christina's boyfriend was telling me that he saw this video about Mark Zuckerberg because um I got miles this smoker for his birthday so i've been looking a lot about smokers and i was looking at those big Mm -hmm. green egg smokers that are like thousands of dollars right and he said that mark zuckerberg had this video where he was like smoking some steaks in his big green egg and all he kept saying was like oh oh, yeah we're gonna put some sweet baby rays in this and he has like all his weird pale friends with him they all seem to like (laughs) like pale people from a different lizard man lizard man all hanging out watching this steak that there was probably like (laughs) extremely extremely expensive steak just waiting to put that sweet baby rays on it <laughs> rich people are fucked i hope it's about like a feud between like bezos and gates it's not it's not about that. oh well shit well i'm looking forward to finding out what it is all right i'm doing the last minute title change just because i want <gasps> things to be consistent okay so mine is uh i can't believe i have to talk about donald trump oh my gosh <laughs> three uh influential assholes we're talking yeah, three. chelsea you're gonna tell us the science behind how if you shove a light bulb up your ass it kills coronavirus no it's about how you should inject yourself with bleach ugly <laughs> i want to know the science <laughs> <laughs> it's none. I feel like this is a huge topic. I don't know where to start with picking what this could be. <laughs> Something about Donald Trump that not everyone knows about. Yeah. So is it like one of his business stupid fucking things? Over the last few years, so much media has come out about him and about what he's doing. I've just read so much now about his life. Yeah. It's really interesting that it is something that some shit that hasn't come out. Did you know the secret of why of why he is the way he is? God. Well, I mean, that's the thing is like because I, he's a demon. I do, I do, but it's not interesting. And this does like oh. connect with my topic. But like the thing is, is that like I, I think that human beings we need to be able to balance the scales. So when something mm. really big or like affecting is happening, we need to believe mm-hmm. like the, the reason behind it is equally as a bit, like the cause is as big as the effect in order for our brains to understand it. And sometimes it's just not. So like, I think like a really good example is like, I think the reason that people think there's all these conspiracies around JFK's assassination is because it's really hard to rectify like this big moment in like American culture with just like a 19 year old kid who was like, bored or like who was like brainwashed which was you know uh what's his face lee harvey oswald like yeah it doesn't feel balanced mm-hmm. that like this one guy who wanted to be a communist did this big thing but all the yeah. evidence says that he it probably just was him you know what I mean? yeah so i think donald trump these are donald trump and the why he is the way he is is a mixture of narcissistic personality disorder and daddy issues that doesn't yeah. feel big enough to yeah. balance the impact he's having on all of our lives 
but like I think that's just the answer Chelsea I feel like you should kick us off I can't I mean I basically started because that was yeah that was what I was going to start with which is like uh talking about conspiracy theories and and why I think that conspiracy theories have such a hold on our brains and I think that's why it's that we want the cause to equal the effect right yeah and so it, it goes back to you know humanity's search for meaning and everything everything that mm-hmm. we do and everything that affects mm-hmm. us a really great example of that that's been happening recently uh and by recently i mean like 2016 to now uh that i found out that ellie didn't know about i thought everyone knew about it and then i realized that maybe i'm just online too much and that well, is- maybe it's because i'm stupid No, you're not stupid. <laughs> do either of you know about QAnon? i still don't QAnon. i remember you saying it but i still don't so this is about a QAnon, and then this is also about adrenochrome and how those two conspiracy theories fit together and how they are morphing, oh. I think is the most interesting part about them, in the wake of COVID-19. Because again, okay. we can't handle when things like have a profound impact on our lives. For example, a virus that just comes out of nowhere and makes us all stay in our home for months, right? That's impossible for some people, for a lot of people to conceptualize, right? right. My entire life has changed. My life is unrecognizable from the way that I was living and interacting six weeks ago. I don't know about you. Yeah. That's how I feel. The, yeah. the before times. The before times. Oh my God, same. <laughs> yeah. So back to QAnon and then Adrenochrome, because these are conspiracy theories that have actually been around for a while, but they're mutating now. And I want to give you just like a little, a little glimpse. Let's see if we can do the, the quickest cry. Let's see if we can do just the quickest little primer on these boards. Okay. So... 2016, Donald Trump is elected president. It sucks, right? We all, it's not great. I cried. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. That's how I remember it. So then, and you guys are familiar, you guys are familiar with like 4chan, right? Yes. Yes, indeed. 4chan, a really special part of the internet. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's a board on 4chan called Poll that's like, political discussion it is kind of a cesspool it's it's probably exactly what you imagine a 4chan board about politics is like but a few years ago somebody started posting and they called themselves q and q Mm -hmm. is the name of the top security clearance in the united states so if you have q clearance that means you can see everything like you can land it like anything you want all the secrets it's the top level of security clearance so they call themselves q they claim to have to be working inside the government and that they had q clearance and that they knew what was really going on and so they started posting proofs and basically they would post like a you know kind of like a hey on like September 25th, Donald Trump is going to give a speech and he's going to touch his left ear. And when you see that, you're going to know the cue is real. And obviously a lot of people were like, hey, these are either so vague that anyone could have guessed that they were going to happen. <laughs> or sometimes he would, like, Q would say more specific things and they didn't happen. And then Q would be like, well, yeah, but it's because, look, did you see this article that came out? Like, this is why this didn't happen and everybody would be like oh and also because it's 4chan and 4chan is like an anonymous message board it's not always clear that like all the q posts are coming from the same person so that was but that Mm -hmm. that only sowed more confusion and allowed 
people who wanted to believe in Q to continue to believe in Q. Until one was like, here's a selfie with an alien. (laughs) So here's what's really fun. (laughs) The QAnon conspiracy says, it's actually related to Christina Parrish's what topic, which is the idea that there's this entire elite Illuminati new world order of all like the celebrities and billionaires um, and politicians who do satanic sacrifice and try to control the world, right? Mm-hmm. So, they, so in QAnon yeah, so world, cute. They're very cute. In QAnon world, that stuff all exists, <laughs> and they're primarily Democrats because, like, duh. And yeah. <laughs> Donald Trump is actually he's not racist, and he doesn't care about the wall or anything. Those are all covers because he is actually an everyman freedom fighter, and he has taken the mantle of president to rid the world of these Satan worshipers and child molesters from the inside secretly. And no one will never, no one will ever even know of like how incredible his sacrifice was, right? Except for Q, who is a hero, who's going to tell everyone, who's going to tell his story. So this really came to it. Yeah. The fuck are you talking about? Oh, yeah. Is he employing like Meryl Street levels of acting? (laughs) (laughs) Think about it from an empathetic point of view of like a person who is hurting, who is misguided, who maybe wants to like some of Donald Trump's policies, but finds him to be odious. And then somebody comes to you again, the cause and effect and the balance saying, no, 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 no. This man is actually doing something incredible. And now you're a part of it because you're the only one that knows the secret because you listen to Q. So now you're a part of mm. one of the biggest things to ever happen in like human history, which is like this insane sting operation. It's really, really seductive for certain kinds of people, right? Yeah. So mm-hmm. the QAnon really reached its fever pitch during the Mueller investigation which was Robert Mueller was investigating Donald Trump for all of these impeachable offenses, right? So if you were just a person on the street watching this, it was pretty cut and dry. So Bob Mueller was hired as an independent investigator to see if Donald Trump had done anything wrong. Yes. This is what QAnon believed was happening. Bob Mueller was hired by Donald Trump to investigate the Clintons and the DNC and all of the uh, child molester Satan worshipers. And so the impeachment investigation was a cover. All the people were going to get arrested on the same day. It was going to be like D-Day. And that was when Donald Trump was going to reveal his big plan and QAnon would be vindicated, right? So it's like like a counter coup. Wow. Yeah, like a counter coup, exactly. So obviously that didn't happen, uh, as we know now, in 2020. Um, and there are a lot of reasons why it was this constantly like moving line. So they'd be like, oh, March 21st, like mark your calendars. This is the day. Q said it's the day. And then March 21st would come and go and they'd be like, yeah, well, this is fifth dimensional chess. So when we say March 21st, well, you know that actually means June 2nd. Oh, and, come like, on. On and on and on. When I said he'd touch his ear, I meant he wouldn't even arrive and give the briefing. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But like, that's how much, that's how desperate people are to believe it. So the second part of this, and it's it's a really big part of it, is adrenochrome and this whole conspiracy theory, which this is one that I learned about even more recently, but it's also what ties QAnon and all of this stuff into what's currently happening with COVID-19 in the world. 
Okay. So adrenochrome. I'm a little scared, to be honest. You should be. Adrenochrome is actually extremely upsetting. And I'll tell you right now, if this is something that you want to research further, uh, it comes with a big fat content warning. I was able to research it for this topic pretty in depth without seeing anything that super scarred me. But there were several times that I would click into something and then be like, nope. And just click back out. Okay. Uh, Adrenochrome is purported to be a drug that is the choice of the elite. Again, it's this like mythic class of people who are celebrities and multimillion and billionaires and leaders in some way, the rich and powerful. Uh, Supposedly, according to people who believe in this, the thing that binds them is their use and love of the drug adrenochrome. Adrenochrome as a thing is a real thing. It is a chemical compound that is a byproduct of adrenaline in the human body. Uh, adrenochrome has been mentioned in science fiction starting around like the mid-century, 20th century. It's also mentioned in A Clockwork Orange, uh, but it's just mentioned oh. in passing. And then the biggest one, and something that people really point to a lot, it was uh, mentioned it, by Hunter S. Thompson in Fear and Loathing in Las Vegas. He says he did take it. Uh, later, when this okay. became a conspiracy theory, and everybody started asking about it, he was like, yeah, uh, gonzo journalism is when you take things that happen to you and you like sensationalize them. So no, I didn't take adrenochrome. Adrenochrome (laughs) is believed to be made in the brain and extracted from the brain stem from people who are experiencing extreme fear, terror, or pain. That's why if you're in that experience, experience, then you're producing a lot of adrenaline. Uh, And then another core point of the of the conspiracy theory is that children are the best uh, source for this either because like they get more scared uh, you know, they're easier to, I guess, terrorize. They experience fear more, their brain is more flooded uh, or just that like it tastes, it's more effective or potent for reasons that are not just yummier. It's just yummier. Um, So, so that, that is where this connects this idea (laughs) of children being trafficked is that in order for adrenochrome to continue to be produced for all these people they have to abduct children and then torture them in the most horrific ways possible for years to get them tasty adrenochrome if you take adrenochrome then it supposedly makes you like super smart it's like a limitless drug you know makes you like really oh, smart God. and really beautiful and attractive and you don't age and they say that's why celebrities look so beautiful for like decades it's not because of plastic surgery or like nutrition no. or anything yeah it's because they're all taking adrenochrome and just for fun to really drive home the kind of cognitive dissonance you have to have to believe in this kind of stuff i went on r slash adrenochrome on reddit which is all people who believe in in this conspiracy theory. And I found, I found this, uh, this post that is one of the top posts of all time. So this is what it says. Um, so just as like a little bit of backstory, John Podesta is uh, somebody who they consider to be part of the secret liberal elite. And sure. Pizzagate 
is another part of the QAnon conspiracy. Mm -hmm. They thought that they found clues in these emails, these leaked emails, that there was a pizza place that was where they put trafficked children and it wasn't. And they all raided the pizza place and it wasn't. Not a single child. There was not a single child. (laughs) There wasn't even a sex basement, so. Not even a pizza. (laughs) So this is one of the top posts of all time on our social adrenochrome. I think it's a perfect encapsulation of this, the way that the conspiracy theory brain has to work. It says, John Podesta has a pig farm between Bohemian Grove and a young children's music camp. Walnut sauce is and has been for a long time the code word for adrenochrome. Adrenal glands are shaped like little walnuts. Walnut sauce is listed in the Podesta emails. Pigs consume an entire corpse in a day or two. You do the math. (laughs) (laughs) I don't think I can. You do the math. <laughs> what am I adding? <laughs> I mean, like, that's, like, it's funny to us, but like, that's like, that's the kind of insane. Like, you can just say three things that are unrelated to each other that he owns a pig farm, that walnut sauce. Uh, could possibly be related to adrenochrome because of some random reason. And then also that pigs eat corpses. And then you're like, see, <laughs> see, see. Duh. So let's bring this all home Duh. because after mm-hmm. all, we are all at home, right? We're all stuck inside. Always, even, always. That's even right. celebrities, as we all saw by that touching Imagine video, <laughs> even the rich and powerful are trapped inside their homes right now, right? Yeah. Well, Mm -hmm. if you're you or me, you might think that's because COVID-19 is caused by a virus and viruses do not discriminate. If you are a believer in this conspiracy, you have an entirely different reason for why this is happening. Uh, And I read to you from a post. It's one of those weird posts where it's a lot of text, but it's actually an image. And they have like all these weird photos superimposed on top of the image. And there's like five different colors. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> Donald J. Trump has created COVID-19 to destroy the New World Order, the Deep State, and the Reptilians, and to liberate Earth. They believe that coronavirus was created to taint the adrenochrome and therefore suss out all the people who were taking it. Because now they say, if you go online, you can find all these videos where people will take Instagram footage of celebrities like Ellen. Ellen is a big one. Apparently Ellen is just sucking down the adrenochrome. <laughs> so they'll take the guzzling. <laughs> she guzzling it. Yeah. She's guzzling. Just guzzling this like child fear. And so <laughs> they'll, they'll post videos that she's posted like on her Instagram and say, see how horrible she looks. See how it looks like she's aged 20 years and six weeks. It's because she doesn't have access to her adrenochrome oh. anymore. And I'm like, yeah, it's not that it's just like for the first time she's having to do her own makeup and like film herself. It's definitely yeah. because she doesn't have her adrenochrome. So she's, so they say that yes, Donald Trump and Bob Mueller and, and all the QAnon people, they had to release COVID-19 so that the adrenochrome supply would be cut off because this is wow. the only way to cut it off so the hero to weaken to weaken the new world order and all of the rich and powerful and to finally save those babies oh my goodness wow Chelsea, i have a question in all this yeah go ahead now this has been a lot of information to take in yeah. and finding out people's new roles in the universe yeah where in all of this stands rosie o'donnell <laughs> 
That is what is her true heart <laughs> in Donald Trump's master game by plan. I mean, Rosie plays a really powerful role in all this, and what that role is <laughs> uh, remains to be seen until after everything happens, and then they can go back and say, "Oh, well, she was of wrong." Course. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> my favorite thing is that the comments on this because these are theoretic these are people who theoretically have already bought into like the adrenochrome thing somebody was like hey i'm gonna need lots of proof because these claims are a lot to take in which i think is an understatement uh, <laughs> and then one of the other people uh responded and said please look at ellen degeneres latest tweets and then tell me that doesn't scream withdrawal from something her skin is red and she's antsy calling celebrities and asking about their children what attention yes she is missing out on something oh my god attention, attention. attention. <laughs> i think you found the real the real culprit in all of this i think it's really fascinating <laughs> because yeah to me like um the the onus like the the source for conspiracy theories in my mind can always be traced back to humans need for this like balance and control and now when we're faced with possibly like the most insane loss of control in at least our lifetimes, this COVID-19, mm-hmm. it makes total sense to me that QAnon and Adrenochrome, these two uh, conspiracy theories that have been around for years have pounced on it and been like, oh yeah, oh, we know why. You come oh, to us. Completely. We know why. We got the reason and y'all ain't gonna fucking believe it. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so that's why I can't believe I have to talk about Donald Trump on this podcast. Wow. Oh, shit, me. If you were ever going to, <laughs> that is the topic that I wanted to hear, though. Oh, thanks, Sid. I'm going to go scare some kids, <laughs> pop, like, a straw on the back of their neck or whatever it is you have to do. Just, I don't know. <laughs> just hook yourself up to a child via, via an IV and just spook him. I'm going to give you eight points. <gasps> oh, my yeah, God. Because now I know the secret to eternal uh, health, wealth, and happiness, and it's frightened children. I'm going to take off one point because just the mention of Donald Trump upsets me. Yeah, it's not great. Um, and I think we can all, so most of us can speak to that. <laughs> yeah. Um, but I'm going to give you two more points for courage and bravery of bringing the truth out. <laughs> it Those are my points. That. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you. I am going to give you four points plus another four points Whoa. straight up. Whoa. Because one conspiracy theory plus another conspiracy theory. You doubled it. All in one topic. You double theory this. It's already eight points straight out of the bat. Minus one point also, just for the pure mention of Donald Trump. Yep. Yeah. Okay. <clears throat> I'm going to kick off with a story today. Yes, I love that it. You're, the both of you in someone else's shoes. <laughs> okay. Okay. It's November 30th, 1954. You've been hard at work in your hometown of Oak Grove, Alabama, oh. doing a job that I can't be more specific about because the knowledge was not available. Oh. The day has dragged and you've become exhausted. So you decide to head home on the way you think about what your day has been like, the pros and cons. But mostly that job that you've been doing that you love, which we don't. <laughs> you finally return to your farmhouse and decide to nap. So you play a relaxing piece of music on your wooden console radio, fidget around in the couch, secure the perfect body groove, Ooh. and start counting sheep. 
Then, after a short time, at 1846 that evening, specifically, something happened a few miles above you. A fiery object of doom is hurtling towards the farmhouse oh. at an astonishing speed. As it approaches the farmhouse, the object becomes smaller and smaller until it finishes its detailing at the size of a grapefruit. <laughs> the would-be grapefruit smashes into the farmhouse roof with a piercing crash. It ricochets off of your favourite radio yeah. and comes towards you. Smack. It hits you away from your left side, leaving an enormous pineapple-shaped bruise. You are Anne Hodges, the first and only confirmed person to be injured by a falling meteorite. It's oh, so cool for me. Probably hurt. Can you imagine how terrifying that would have been? So confusing. Oh my goodness. This is just setting the tone. What is my topic? I just wanted to use Anne's story because it is wild. Bless you, Anne. Um, good. The real title of today's topic is What if there was an asteroid? <laughs> uh huh. Because I don't know or didn't know a kind of actually what to happen when an asteroid hits the planet, right? And also, if one is gonna happen, like, what are people actually gonna do about it? Like. Forget film, forget, you know, things we might think are going to happen. What is actually in place to help us right now? If that I thought it's like Liv Tyler's boyfriend goes on to, goes to <laughs> yeah. blow the rock up with his miners, no? Yeah. This is, well, that's all I had in my head. I was like, Bruce Willis will save us. <laughs> yeah, duh. So I went on a little bit of a research. Yes. To find out information. So in the science world, they call anything that might impact the Earth in any Earth a near-Earth object, which includes comets, includes asteroids, meteoroids, which are smaller bits of asteroids which have been broken up. Oh. Or, and then once the meteoroid comes towards the planet, when it hits the atmosphere, if it just breaks up on impact and becomes a big lighty flash, like you see meteoroids, uh, meteor showers, sorry. Yeah. Uh, that is a meteor, but then it's a meteorite if it comes all the way down to the Earth and hits. Oh, Okay. So that is all the thing. There is a lot of space facts in this. This is just like, I've been watching Star Trek for the last however long this has been going on. Like 28 years? Before that. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm like pretending as if I've only just started watching during the quarantine. No, I, but I've been life. heavily on the Star Trek. So I hope you don't mind, but I'm just going to be talking space, 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 space. I do not mind but, at um, all. I would never mind. Fantastic. I was looking into it, and you may know this, 66 billion years ago, there was an NEO that hit the Earth. You may remember there were little dinosaurs chilling yeah. on the Earth, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, enjoying the Mesozoic era. Just crushing it. The last day of said Mesozoic era, <laughs> just <laughs> loving it. And then along comes an 11 to 81 kilometer wide, oh. giant, yeah, either asteroid or comet, it's called the Cheek Salute Impactor. It was coming along at 64,000 kilometers per hour. Oh. And hit the Earth around the Gulf of Mexico with a blast equivalent of how many Hiroshima bombs do you think? How many Hiroshima bombs? Uh, yeah. at, least, at least one. Half <laughs> <laughs> <Pass> of one. <laughs> it was, in fact, a minimum... Of twenty-one billion. Oh, see now in yeah. my in my like dumb doesn't know about space or QAnon brain. That meteor comes along, hits the Earth, and the Earth just kind of like like a pool ball just shoots off in that direction, and then everything is over. <laughs> yeah, 
I like it. Just imagine to have like a real comedy wobble. Yeah. It's completely back to normal. So 21 million Hiroshima's go boom. Smack. Everything within a thousand kilometers is destroyed. Stop using kilometers. I have no idea what that means. That let's do. Oh my god. (laughs) What's a thousand kilometers in miles is. Uh, six hundred and twenty miles. Okay, is it like so? It's like a double, right? Six hundred and twenty-one miles. Very roughly, yeah. Very roughly double. Okay, yeah. As an instant one thousand feet high tsunami. Oh, could you imagine (laughs) what this is going on? And then (laughs) an earthquake of ten point one goes off on the Richter scale, which a professor said was like. All of the earthquakes of the last 160 years going off at once. Oh, which is my goodness. So just a really yeah. tough time and for then, anyone hanging out on Earth during then. Yeah, just like my brain now. <laughs> 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 it's been seven minutes and 59 seconds. Now all this has happened. So much is going on. Ejector starts to spill everywhere, which is just like everything that gets thrown up towards the air once that happens. Right. And just basically smothers the whole area and it all gets lost. And this was a, I said before, but it was an 11 to 81 kilometer asteroid. Yeah. And now we've apparently catalogued 90% of everything over one kilometer and nothing's been out. The other end of it that I want to tell you all about, I don't know if you knew this, I did not know this, um, Chelyabinsk in Russia, mm-hmm. a meteor came down on the 15th of February 2013 at 19 kilometers per second Whoa. and exploded in the atmosphere, which was lucky because it meant that the explosion was not hit on the ground. Mm-hmm. It was absorbed by the atmosphere, but it was the explosion of 36 Hiroshima bombs. Oh, yeah, insane. And this thing was only 20 meters, so it was tiny if you really think about the size of it. And 36 Hiroshima bombs, like these things are deadly. 7,000 buildings were damaged by it. 1,400 people were injured. No one died. Wow. Which is nuts. And no one was hit by a bit of meteoroid except Anne from the beginning. Oh, of the Anne. Well, so, like, Anne. still got that record. <laughs> uh, Try that record from her cold, dead fingers. <laughs> yeah. These under 20 meters or around 20 meter asteroids are the ones that are the most likely to hit. And we have only cataloged 1% of all the likely ones that will. Wow. Which is terrifying. So these are the ones we really need to worry about. And they're estimated at the moment to hit every 10 to 100 years. Uh oh. So, you know, they are actually a problem. Also, (laughs) this 2013 meteor, another fact, it was completely unexpected. And this is kind of the issue that around meteors is that we just cannot predict them enough. It was unexpected because it was flying on the same trajectory as the sun. And then because of that, we couldn't see it. So the science world had to step their pussy up massively (laughs) after 2030. Because they're like, oh shit. An Apollo 9 astronaut and founder of the Association of Space Explorers said, early warning is the essential ingredient of planetary defense. Time is the issue. At the current rate of discovery of 20-meter NEOs and larger at about 1,000 per year, it will take more than 1,000 years to find the 1 million that potentially threaten us. So what did they do? Immediately, we create Asteroid Day. Did you know about Asteroid Day? I have never heard of Asteroid Day. I have never heard of it. Asteroid Day is on the 30th of June every year, well, since 2014. And it's basically a global awareness campaign to prevent the danger of space. Those are the exact words. The dangers of space. space. 
the dangers of space. So one thing that they did off of the back of this was that they created an initiative called the 100 Times Declaration, and they want a thousand telescopes on Earth to do over 100 times the output for the next 10 years so that they can try and categorize those million NEOs that they need to get a hold of, which is great. And I think over 22,000 people have signed up for it, which is fantastic. So, you know, these are your amateur astronomers. Any information that can be passed on to anybody is... Yeah. So it's like very slow Dunkirk, but with space. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. The terrible thing about the ones that are giant too, like the one that impacted 66 billion years ago, Uh is whilst it did all the terrible things that I said that were like, you know, the absolute end of the world time and destroyed three quarters of all living things on the planet is not very good. Yeah. It also (laughs) uh, hit up 100,000... 100... thousand billion tons of carbon dioxide a hundred billion tons of carbon monoxide and a hundred billion tons of methane so the the global woman then was fucked it was was not good in 2018 the u.s government started to again really set their pussies up in terms of earth defense and so created the national near-earth object preparedness strategy and action plan which has a goal of enhancing the detection, tracking, tracking and identification, improving prediction, modeling, developing technology to deflect and disrupt NEOs, and establishing emergency and action protocols in the event of an impact. So, you know, they're doing they're doing everything they can and they do take it super seriously. Like they're really thinking about this. There's something called like the Plan- Planetary Defense Conference every year. And in twenty nineteen they got everyone there who was every top NEO scientist or official and they had to very seriously over the week hypothetically discuss what they were going to do if something was to hit us in 2027 what can you do like just shoot a big ball at it (laughs) i think so glad you asked what would you guys do this is what i was wondering what would what would be your invention surely they're thinking just nuke it right seems right now like those kinds of things in the ways of like shooting up device and it's gone and we can just kind of have this last minute kapow moment does not exist which is terrifying we only put of armageddon and rightly so but i there was truth to what lucius malfoy says in that movie which is that if you shoot it from the outside you're just going to chip away at it but if you if you put a bomb on the inside and blow it up from the inside have they thought about a massive, now stay with me here, a massive catapult with a big giant ball in it that they can just like aim and release and sort of play uh, like curling but in space. They have not. Knock it off course. (laughs) In my research, I did not find it. Damn it. (laughs) Building off of Ellie's idea, because no bad ideas, building off of Ellie's idea, what about big trampoline? Right? Big trampoline up in the sky asteroid comes hits trampoline yeah it's gonna like come in a little bit but then it's just gonna bounce right back into space the other direction see ya bye (laughs) i was thinking like planet easter egg like we just kind of build some kind of like shield thing around the planet we just like make a big egg that goes around it just like protective egg yeah because i you know eggshells are notoriously really strong (laughs) <laughs> exactly and we'll aim for the asteroid to hit the top of the eggshell which cannot be broken right exactly <laughs> but don't worry there is a small glimmer of hope Tell us. on the horizon there's a european space agency and nasa mission called the asteroid impact and deflection assessment and on the 22nd of july 2021 
NASA are going to be launching via SpaceX Falcon 9, and here in comes Elon Musk. Don't worry, we don't even have to talk about him after this. There this is. is as much as he here comes Here he comes. It, he was in it. There he is. He's popped his little head in. <laughs> Hello. The double asteroid re- uh, redirection test, or DART, is going to launch on the 22nd of July, 2021. So we've got this to look forward to, lady. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be heading over the course of a year towards a binary asteroid system called Didymus. And Didymus is made up of A and B. None of and this a, sounds real. Didymus A. Yeah. And bloop a doop bloop a doop a doop. Didymus A is a mountain-sized asteroid. And then there's a smaller oh. asteroid, Didymus B, going around it, which is about 150 meters wide. Dark is going to travel to Didymus, and then it's going to use its kinetic impact technique, also known as smash itself right into it <laughs> and then we will measure if Didymus B has been moved off of the orbit of Didymus A via satellites here and if successful this will be the first potential defense we have against asteroids that might be coming towards us but obviously we need to catalog them but this is actually something that could so work yeah I just want to knock future. it off knock it off its, or- its orbit yeah so we can't really like destroy it right now so we're like we'll just Pop it off a little bit, like the tiniest little bit, and then... And then we all get to watch it pass, like, nice try, bitch. Can I finish with the final bit of Anne Hodges' story? Oh, please do. Please bring it back to Anne. So Anne had to surrender that meteorite from the beginning of the one that hit it to the US government, obviously, so they could go and do test landings on it, and that was great. Yeah. Um, She made a claim to it, which was kind of widely accepted that it was hers. There was a lot of public attention at the time around Anne, and she was kind of, you know, Sarah was like, the meteorite lady, or whatever, and... (laughs) This drew the attention of her landlord, and her landlord found out about it for whatever reason, and decided to also put a claim that she owned the piece of rock because it was her house, and had been getting offers like of around five thousand dollars from places for the meteorite, allegedly the Smithsonian Institute. Oh, but this thing dragged out this dispute with her landlord over who owned it, and eventually Anne settled with the landlord for five hundred dollars and got it back. But by this time. People had kind of moved on and the story had kind of gone away and nobody wanted it. Oh, no. And donated it to the Natural History Museum of Alabama and you can go and see the museum. Oh, good good on you, Anne. I'm coming and swinging. I'm coming in at at seven points plus two points for Anne. In spirit of the podcast, I'm going to take off one point for Elon Musk. Um, Yeah. And then I'm going to give you uh, one more point for giving me hope that unless something else terrible happens to the earth by <laughs> July 2021 <laughs> uh, we might have uh, we might have a solution to this asteroid thank you very much thank you very much Sydney well first of all oh, I'm gonna give you 10 right off the bat because Armageddon is my mom's favorite movie and I've seen it probably yes. at least 20 times and we well, don't want to miss a thing oh you don't yeah. <laughs> minus three points because um space be scary Uh, but plus two for style so you know you got that's nice flair plus two for style god damn yeah thank you so much yeah man has flair for sure for sure Move over, Jeff Bezos, with your bitch billions. Okay. <laughs> so, as we know, our dear leader, 
uh, Amazon founder Jeff Bezos is the richest man in the world. Yes. And yet somehow he looks like a frog that's halfway through transforming into <laughs> Voldemort. He looks like the middle of like an Animorphs cover. Yes, exactly. Yeah. You know that phase where Simba is neither small nor big and it's horrifying? <laughs> <laughs> the terrifying three seconds of the lion king that everyone's like no and then he gets hot <laughs> yeah. according to the 2019 forbes billionaires list he is the richest man in the world with an estimated fortune of 131 billion dollars or 99 billion pounds he's the wealthiest man in modern history but he yeah. is by no means the richest man of all time is this an inflation thing or someone have more money someone had more money not just inflation i've like we've done all the i've done all the maths of like what it would be Mm -hmm. wow far more dollars the richest man of all time that title is believed to belong to mansa musa the 14th century west african ruler Ooh, I was yeah. really kind of hoping wow. you were going to say Jesus Christ and this was like one of the <laughs> kings are. <laughs> Jesus Christ, because as we all know, you cannot be more rich yeah. than love. Um, <laughs> this is the story of a 14th century West African ruler who was so rich that his generous handouts wrecked an entire country's economy. What? Yes. Same. Oh my God, I cannot wait for this. <laughs> Did you just say same? <laughs> <laughs> have you ever heard the culture club song i'll tumble for you i'll tumble for you i'll tumble for you yeah i heard it so in 2011 a youtube channel just called history teachers cool. made made a version of that song about mansa musa and let me just play the chorus really quickly oh, I'm mansa musa. Contemporary accounts of Musa's wealth are so breathless that it's almost impossible to get a sense of just how truly wealthy this man was. He was richer than anyone could describe, but they estimate that he had, in modern day terms, about $400 billion. Whoa. $400 billion. It's impossible to conceptualize. Well, absolutely impossible. Yes, you fucking loser. Bitch billions. Uh, Mansa Musa <laughs> was born in 1280 into a family of rulers. He was the 10th king of Mali. Mansa Musa just literally means king of kings. Oh, cool. Yeah. It's <laughs> fucking dope. I do think what a great name yeah. already. His brother, Mansa Abu Bakir, ruled the empire until 1312 when he decided he was going to go off on a little bit of an expedition and so he just abdicated. He was like, bored now, you can have it. <laughs> According to um, this 14th century Syrian historian, Shibab al-Umari, Abu Bakir was obsessed with the Atlantic Ocean and what lay beyond it. So he took a fleet of 2,000 ships and thousands of men, women, and slaves and they sailed off and just never came back. No one ever heard from them again. So Mansa Musa was like, I guess I'm king now. <laughs> That is amazing. Yeah. They were like, what could be there? We're off on a voyage. Sing us a song on our departure. And when we return... No, they never returned. No celebrations. <laughs> off they went. <laughs> no. So Mansa Musa becomes king. And under his rule, he like, he grows the kingdom of Mali significantly. He annexed about 24 cities, including Timbuktu, which we all heard, obviously, when we were watching Aristocats uh, in our childhood. And um, mm-hmm. the, the the mean dude gets locked in their trunks into Timbuktu. We all remember that. 
Mm-hmm. So his kingdom stretched for about 2,000 miles from the Atlantic Ocean all the way to modern-day Niger. So basically, what is now Senegal, Mauritiana, Mali, Burkina Faso, Niger, the Gambia, Guinea-Bissau, Guinea, and the Ivory Coast were all once the kingdom of Mali. And with taking over all these cities, Mansa Musa found himself in possession of a lot of salt and a lot of gold. Ooh, now those are things you would have a lot of. Yeah. The amount of gold this man had, the British Museum have estimated that the Empire of Mali accounted for almost half of the old world's gold. Oh. And all of it belonged to Mansa Musa. Mansa, Mansa Musa. His full title was Mansa I of Mali, Emir of Miel, Lord of the Mines of Wangara, Conqueror of Ganata, Lion of Mali, and Kankan Musa. That's very good. Very good. So he had almost unlimited access to the most highly valued source of wealth in the medieval world. Like salt and gold were pretty much on a level with how important, like how much money you could make with these things. That's what I was thinking. I was like, salt seems like something that everybody would want. He had control of the main trading centers of Africa. Uh, This is a time where Europe was having a shit time and Africa was like the super wealthy continent. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But even though he had all this gold the kingdom itself was that wasn't that well known no one really knew about Mansa Musa until he decided that he was going to go on a pilgrimage to Mecca because he was a very devout Muslim mm-hmm. so he was going to go from Mali pass through the Sahara Desert and Egypt and make his way to Mecca he did this with a caravan of 60,000 men oh Nice. Apparently, eyewitnesses, because that's kind of what we only really know this from like accounts written down by eyewitnesses. It was a line of camels mm-hmm. as far as you could see, like off into the horizon. He took his entire royal court and officials, soldiers, entertainers, merchants, camel drivers, 12,000 slaves, everyone wearing silk clad in gold. The camels were just each carrying, I think it was 300 pounds of gold. I love gold. <laughs> <laughs> right on time with that reference. It's perfect. Yeah. It was a city moving through the desert, a golden city. So cool. He would literally, and this is where the start of the uh, the economic part comes in, he would literally just hand out gold to people that they passed. I'm like, here's some gold, have some gold. Oh, they would stop cool. and build mosques on the way. In this, like in towns and cities that they stopped, he would just build a mosque. They, in fact, said that Mansa Musa... Need a mosque? <laughs> what a mosque? He built one for every Friday that he was king. Wait, what? <laughs> yeah, that's how many mosques Mansa Musa built, apparently. Like one a week, one a week through in, throughout his uh, reign. Insane. Mansa Musa left such a memorable impression on Cairo in particular because of the Cairo gold crash that was literally his fault specifically. Okay. So lavishly did he hand out gold in Cairo that his three month stay caused the price of gold to plummet in the region for 10 years. What? Yeah. This US company did deep research into this and they estimate that due to the depreciation of gold, Mansa Musa's pilgrimage led to about 1.5 billion of economic losses across the Middle East. Oh no. Because he gave it because he gave so much away. Yeah, he was to give it away. So to combat that, Mansa Musa himself went back to Egypt and bought the gold back at a uh, at an interest to try and like fix the economy there. <laughs> he borrowed it back at extortionate in- interest rates from Egyptian lenders that he. T- this is a wild story. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. Imagine being like, "Hey, I'm so sorry. I ducked up. I'll, I'll, let me buy it back from you." Yeah. for like any amount of t- for any amount of money. For, for story set in this time, it's pretty uh, right. 
pretty nice. Like, at just any point, I'm expecting, like, and he needed to solve it. So he murdered everyone. And you're like, oh, okay. Here's the thing. Right now, we have, like, these bitch billionaires, right, who don't really do anything to help anyone. They never seem to be around when something catastrophic happens, unless it's, like, the Notre Dame cathedral falling down and then suddenly they're like oh of course they'll give us your give all your money the richest people in our country that we're in right now like to go on tv and be like i'm going to donate thirty thousand dollars to the coronavirus relief and it's like that's a drop in the ocean of your money like yeah it's bullshit whereas like Exactly. Yeah, people like Rockefeller and Carnegie were also like not great guys, but both of them had so many public service projects. Like they built libraries, they built mm-hmm. hospitals, and yeah, all the money was made of oil. It's not great, but they definitely had much more of like a social welfare remit than these boring lazy guys. So Mansa Musa though is the best example of that, which is great as being the richest man who ever walked the earth. So yeah, he you know probably spent and wasted a lot of gold, but it was his excessive generosity that also caught the eyes of the world. Not only did he just give out gold everywhere he went, to literally to like poor people who had nothing, he would just give them a gold bar, which would completely change someone's life. Yeah. He built universities, he built mosques everywhere, commissioned universities all the way throughout his kingdom. And a lot of this arts and architecture still um, still exists today. He funded literature, built schools, libraries. Timbuktu actually became a center of education. People traveled from all over the world to study at the university there. He's pretty credited with starting the tradition of education in West Africa. Wow. That's very cool. It's unbelievable. I've not heard of him before. Before his pilgrimage, no one really knew about him. And and then after that, quite literally, he put Mali on the map. In the Catalan Atlas map from 1375, the drawing there's a drawing of the African king sitting on a golden throne atop Timbuktu, holding a piece of gold in his hand. And Timbuktu kind of became this like El Dorado that people would, would, came mm-hmm. from near and far to have a glimpse. And I think that's why it's kind of become synonymous with like the mystery place that's super, it's like, far that's away off the right. map i'm gonna send you to when you said it earlier i thought classic punchline yeah. i was like yeah timbuktu timbuktu yeah yeah, yeah totally. so even in the 19th century it still had this mythical status as a lost city of gold at the edge of the world mm-hmm. a beacon for both european fortune hunters and explorers 500 years after mansa musa's pilgrimage i'm constantly amazed at just this story it's such a bizarre thing to hear in this Time period. So Mansa Musa died in 1337. He was 57. And his sons were just, he, the empire was inherited by his sons and they couldn't really hold it together. So some of the smaller states broke off, the empire crumbled. And then obviously the later arrival of the Europeans was kind of the final nail in the coffin of that whole region. Um, and it's, yeah, it's kind of to your point of like why we haven't really heard about this is that like, and I always thought this in history class, like when we were learning about the ancient Egypt, uh, ancient Egyptians, for example, mm-hmm. I was like, well, what was going on? in England like when we were learning about English Tudor history I was like well what's going on in yeah so the history of the medieval period is so largely is just seen as like western history and it's just really taught as western history so this whole story of like this opulent continent of Africa of like Africa's you know historically relative golden time literally um is just like really not talked about so uh and think if like if had the Europeans arrived in significant numbers in Musa's time with Mali at the height of its military and economic power instead of a couple hundred years later, like everything would be different. <laughs> so say say you had a job that paid a dollar per second, uh and mm-hmm. like just like all the time. So right. if you're making a dollar per second, how long would it take you to make a million dollars? 
Mm-hmm. It would take you about 11 days. So a dollar a second taking 11 days to make a million dollars. A dollar a second would take 32 years to make a billion dollars. So 11 <laughs> days versus 32 years. That's the difference between a million and a billion. So like, I think like, yeah. sometimes in our brain, it, at least for me, like I go a lot of times I'm like, well, you know, there's millionaires and there's billionaires. Like it's like the next step of after million, but it's really so much more. Uh, yeah. Why uh, billionaires need to stop being bitches. Jeff Bezos spending like $30 million or whatever is the equivalent of me like buying roller skates. Like <laughs> even going to really affect the way that he lives his life. That's my topic. That is not. Loved it. Thanks. Genuinely loved it. Yeah. That ruled, Ellie. Um, I'm Mansa I- Musa. I'm on to- yeah, you get, you get honestly. I'm just like I need to look up this too. <laughs> you get six points for the song. Uh, I'm gonna take away two points because I had planned a joke, which like when you were first finishing up, where I was gonna mm-hmm. be like, yeah, I'm gonna give you three points because you convinced me that billionaires should exist because we were talking about how, um, you know, philanthropy, yeah. yeah philanthropy but then we went on a tangent and now that joke doesn't work anymore and yeah. so uh i'm gonna take a look <laughs> it's your fault but i am going to uh give you back six points because uh fuck jeff bezos yeah yeah fuck that guy yeah i want to do something outrageous here oh my god and in the spirit of mental musa can i give you 400 billion points <laughs> <laughs> What? 400 billion points of ancient gold. <laughs> gold. Yeah. Uh, 400 billion. You have passed the old yes. world in points. So my score will now reflect like the new pe- the number value that I've had up until now, and then it's just tiny letters. I'm going to put plus Mansa Musa's fortune. <laughs> plus Mansa Musa's fortune. I'll give you 400 billion doll hairs. Gross. <laughs> <laughs> no tar. Take him, Tyler. Sid, where can people find you? Yeah, where are you? Where can people find me? At Scissors on Twitter or at Sydney.law on Instagram, where you will find me doing absolutely nothing. Oh, <laughs> no, I was, your Instagram is very beautiful and curated and artsy. And I highly recommend. And then I just yeah. post stories of nonsense. I highly recommend you check them out. Uh, Chelsea, where much. can people Thanks find you? Of course, you can find me at Chelsea Harfouche on Twitter, Insta, TikTok, uh, Snapchat. Occasionally, I've been on Snapchat a lot less since I've been like not going out and getting fucking like plastered on the weekends, <laughs> which is really sad. <laughs> but I am sad for me. You can find me at Ellie Maney on Twitter and Ellie Main on Instagram. And you can find this podcast at WhatPod, that's W-U-T-P-O-D, on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter. And go check out our website at thosetwogirls.club for uh, information on our merch and uh, things that we might have coming up when we all get out of this quarantine nightmare. Yeah. yeah. And up until then, maybe go and learn something. <laughs> Oh, <laughs> oh,